Good. If you don't know me, um, uh, I'm a backup pastor to Kevin and John. And so they, they are doing such a good job and so, um, uh, so grateful for, for how they preach and the sermons they're bringing. And, uh, and, and I'm here just to encourage uh, them in this series, be part of this series that you're walking through for seven weeks um, entitled Deliver Us, Life in the Victory of Jesus. And um, this sentence, so our three campuses are all on this journey together. This is what we're doing. We're spending the fall talking a lot about victory. And so we read this in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. We're, we're kind of, I think, four weeks here at Aldergrove into this seven-week series, four or five weeks, called Deliver Us, Life in the Victory of Jesus, and we're spending these seven weeks focusing on the world, the flesh, and the devil, seven weeks on a spiritual battle that is real, seven weeks on experiencing the victory, the joy, the freedom, and the hope we have in Jesus. John, the disciple, the beloved of Jesus, sums up all of Jesus' mission with this one sentence. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It's so clear, so clear. That's his mission statement. And so um, last week, John took a deep dive into temptation, thanks to John. And today we're going to go, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into lies. We're going to talk about lies. So we're going to talk a lot about truth and lies. And as we've been learning, the devil will tempt us and then deceive us. He'll tempt us and then deceive us because Satan is the father of lies, but Jesus is the king of truth. And today we're going to expose um, all of the lies of the enemy and we're going to explore the truth that sets us free, the truth that delivers us from the lies of the enemy. And to start, I would like to use an illustration uh, from The Lord of the Rings. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, was a Christian. And he wrote uh, The Lord of the Rings. And so much of what is found in The Lord of the Rings is, is, is Tolkien, I believe, riffing on Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so in the story, um, The Two Towers, um, we read about this uh, power encounter. And some of you know the story. This little, uh, if you don't know the story, uh, you should get to know the story. But anyway, if, uh, so the story is, there's this little, uh, little team, uh, this little team that is a force for good, all that is kind of good and true, um, and they are on a, on a pretty massive quest. And this little team has kind of split up, and one of the sections of the team is made up of these, these people named Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and they move into this kingdom called the Kingdom of Rohan. And as they move into this, this used to be a very beautiful kingdom, but something had turned. It was very dark. And they look dark, things look dark as they, as they actually walk into what's called the royal hall where the king of Rohan lived. They notice it's very dark. And, um, and they notice sitting next to the king, as they approach the king on his throne, they notice that there's this dark character that's whispering lies into the ear of the king. And, and this character's name is Grima Wormtongue, and he's whispering lies into King Theoden's ear. And Theoden had been a good king that had fought for good in the world. But Theoden had become a shell of the king he once was. He, he looked possessed, taken over, like his whole body looked, you know, kind of hunched forward, uh, no life. And uh, this little team, uh, led by Gandalf, notices that, that there needs to be truth here. 
There needs to be a power encounter. A rescue needed to take place. And Gandalf looks at the liar. So he looks, you know, to the left of the king. He looks at the liar and he says to Wormtongue, he says, be silent. Keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. And then Gandalf looks at the king, looks at Theoden, and says, Theoden, son of Thangel, too long have you sat in the shadows. Hearken to me, I release you from this spell. And Theoden is set free. The king is set free. And it's, it's an exorcism. It's truth setting someone free from lies. It's, it's light piercing the darkness. You see, th- this, is, this, this is Tolkien riffing on what he reads in the New Testament about Jesus. You see, this is a darkness that needed to be dealt with. And it was a darkness that had come slowly upon King Theoden through what? Lies. Lies. The forked tongue of lies needed to be defeated by the truth of who Theoden was, his own identity as king. And so, and so inspired by the scriptures, this story just reminds us of Jesus, of Jesus who fought a battle against the lies of the enemy. And so we turn to Jesus. That's what we're doing today. We're turning to Jesus who said, quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we turn to Jesus who said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so Jesus, we turn to you today, King of truth. We turn to you and we pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy. Silence the voice of the enemy that is speaking lies into our life. And we pray that you would give us grace to see the lies that we've come to believe and that you would with great power and yet gentleness at the same time reveal your truth to us and change us and set us free and give us life again and we pray this in your name amen so today I want us to uh, think about these words from Romans 8 Romans 8 5 to 6 this is our scripture for today Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So this is the word of the Lord. And Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Have you ever thought to yourself, who's governing my mind? Who's in control of my mind? Now, all of us in the room would say, we are. Um, Are you so sure about that? Are you sure? Who's who's governing? Because Paul seems to say, that your flesh has this ability to govern your mind, right? Or that there's the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that's able to govern your mind. So how can we have a mind that is set free, a mind filled with the Spirit of God, a mind that is free to enjoy life and peace? Because as we've seen in the last number of weeks, we have an enemy. And the enemy wants to tempt us deceive us, and then accuse us. 
And today, and so if you'll, if you'll remember, the thing that we've been talking about is that in the Garden of Eden, what happens? This snake-like creature comes to Eve and, and tempts her with, with fruit. And so this is what you and I experienced, and this is what John was articulating last week, that there is a temptation. There's something like, ooh, that looks pleasing to the eye, right? But then what we're going to focus on this week is the lie then. Like, what makes us actually take of this fruit that we're not supposed to eat from? Well, because there's a lie. Somewhere in that story, there's a lie. And then once you and I take and eat of this fruit we're not supposed to eat, then there's accusation and condemnation from the enemy. He's absolutely ruthless. All of a sudden, God's law, God's heart for the world, God's morals, God's ethics, we were blind to them because we were being deceived because we saw the fruit. And then once we eat of the fruit, we take part in sin, then the enemy's like, hey, here's God's laws. Here's, here's his truth, and it's immediately condemning. And we feel broken by it, right? We feel like we are lawbreakers. So temptation, deceit, and then condemnation. It's how he works. This is, his, this is the way he works. And so we see that he traffics in lies. He'll always lie to us. We're not free. We don't have peace. We're not experiencing life because we have opened up our mind to the lies of the enemy. Now, Jesus was once in a very fierce argument with Jewish leadership. And I just want to say this. Some of us have this impression that Jesus is kind of like a hippie. And this was one of the stories that would contradict that, right? Uh, He's always just so kind and he loves picking flowers and petting bunnies. This is not one of those stories. He's once in a fierce argument And the Jewish leaders at the time were hurting common people with this immense judgment and greed. And Jesus looks at the leaders and he says this, you belong to your father, the devil. How about that for an opening sentence, right? You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a father, he's a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is like, I know whose kids you are. You have, a, you have a father, and he is an, he's, a, he's a liar, right? And your father is the devil. Now, just remember, he's speaking to leaders in Israel, Jewish leaders. He's telling this corrupt leadership that their father is the devil. Why? Because they have been calling Jesus demon-possessed. That's the context of the story. They're like, you have a demon, which is such a lie. And he says, You're, you, you are doing what your father, the devil, wants you to do. He hates the truth. And then Jesus says this, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies. His native language is lies. So you could say, the enemy of our soul is fluent in lies. He's very good at this. And that's why in the scripture it says he masquerades as an angel of light. Right? There's something really appealing to his lies. Satan's strategy is to target the mind with lies. And in Genesis 3, as we just talked about, he does this with Eve. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Notice, Paul's fear is that the church, that their minds would be led astray. How is our mind led astray? By ideas. By ideas. 
ideas about life that do not come from God. Speaking of the moment that Satan tempted Eve, Dallas Willard writes this, quote, when he undertook to draw Eve away from God, he did not hit her with a stick, but with an idea. It was with the idea that God could not be trusted and that she must act on her own to secure her own well-being. Whew. Didn't hit her with a stick. He hit her with an idea. And what's the, what's the root of that idea? You cannot trust God. I think it takes quite some time for us to think through our ideas. But I would bet that that idea, that, you, that each of you here cannot trust God, that Matthew, that I can't trust God, I guarantee we have been hit with that idea before. Have you been hit with an idea like that? I mean, for me, honestly, I feel like it happens daily. So let's talk about ideas. This is where we're headed today. This is, this is, the, this is where we're focusing. Let's talk about ideas. I, I'd like to actually thank uh, John Mark Comer with his book, Live No Lies, and Dallas Willard with his book, Renovation of the Heart. If you're interested in doing a little bit of a deeper dive, um, these are two books that are very helpful. So Dallas Willard calls ideas quote, assumptions about reality, okay? We all have them, we all have them. Everyone in this room has a collection of ideas about how the world works. I have them, you have them. Like, these are assumptions about reality. So we have an assumption about reality and how life works. And these ideas create a mental map for us. It's how we navigate the world, right? It makes actually navigating the world much easier, right? Because we just, we come to a conclusion about a certain idea, and then we kind of live into it, right? We, we operate with this kind of mixture of ideas floating around in our mind. Let, let me give you an example of how this works. And this is an area that I could be very easily duped in, okay? So this is a very simple idea, but let's talk about nutrition, okay? Let's talk about nutrition. I am going to go ahead and acknowledge I know nothing about nutrition, right? I, I am just, I've kind of picked up some thoughts along the way. Some of you in the room have studied a lot about foods that you should eat, right? And, um, and, and I, in my life, I know two people in my life that have, one has, uh, operates in a kind of a carnivore type diet, and the other is, a, is absolute total vegan, and both of them have a true idea of, <laughs> Of, of, of how the body works and, and how nutrition works. So to me, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I don't operate thinking a lot about nutrition, but let's say I was wondering what foods are healthy and, and I'm given an idea, right, about, you know, maybe one of my two friends kind of wins out and they kind of say, actually, this is, this is kind of what you should be eating, right? This will make you healthy. And then, and then what I do is I lock that in. And once that's locked in, it makes life easier right? So I now have a mental map that makes it easier when I go to the grocery store. So I'm like, oh, you know, uh, depending on who won out that argument, that I'm going to go to the aisles of the grocery store and I'm going I'm to pick things, I'm going to select some things. The, the meals that I cook at home, um, uh, the kind of the fast food that I buy, it's all oriented. I now have a mental map because an, I have an idea about what is nutritious. Are, are we following? Is this, this is not complicated. You're like, we were following like five seconds into your illustration. 
and you're taking way too long. Okay, that's probably what you're thinking. Um, so now here's the deal. I, let's say I start to eat this stuff and all of a sudden I know, I, I start to watch my body not respond well to the nutrition. And actually I'm, 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 maybe I'm sick a lot or I'm kind of losing a certain amount of weight in, in a not good way and I, I'm just, I'm not doing well. And actually people start to point it out. They're like, you don't look healthy. <laughs> and I, Thank you. And, and, so I, I, and so I'm like, maybe, so what, what do I need to do? So this is, a, this, is a, this is a big deal. So what do I need to do? What if my mental map is wrong, right? And, and if, I, if I see a growing lack of health, what if, what, if, what, if it, what if it turns out that these foods are actually hurting my body? And, and, and what if this idea that what is nutritious is actually a lie? And my body needs a completely different set of foods. So here's the deal. I have been living a lie that has brought new issues into my life, new medical issues into my life. Now, think about that, just kind of simple illustration. And now think of a thousand other categories in life and how that could work, right? Because ideas don't just stay in the mind, we start to live them. And so imagine this idea is no longer about food. Okay, but now it's about the character of God. Who is God? What is he like? Or what if it's an idea about how you're called to love your neighbor? Or what if it's an idea about violence and whether guns are good, right? And owning a gun is good. Or what if it's certain ideas we have about politics? I mean, let's just park there for a second, because that's fun. Uh, <laughs> in this room, in this room, uh, there are some of you who would be able to argue with me a certain view of politics, right? And you are adamant <laughs> that this is the person we need to vote for, right? And someone else in this room might have just a completely different set of ideas, right? I just, I just want to pause and I just want to say, wow, <laughs> those ideas, I think, are shaping you. And I think it's a coming to a street, the podcast you're listening to and the things that you're digesting and and both of you would probably have this environment that you know you say well this teacher and this teacher and this podcast and this news site and this blog and you know and the other one well this and what's happening is you've got some grima worm tongues whispering into your ear and the and and are what is the fruit of this right if we just kind of park on politics for a second but but you could add parenting how you, how you understand sex, how you understand marriage, right? How you view finances and generosity. Right? You have an assumption. There's a, something, an idea was given to you at some point in life with how you handle your money. Man, Jesus talks about money all the time, right? This is, so what are the ideas that have shaped you when it comes to money, right? Jesus cares a lot about that. Or how you, how you understand gender, how you understand your body, how you, how you think through all kinds of issues of forgiveness and, and how you reconcile. How, how, does, how did someone teach you about how to deal with reconciliation? 
See, as Dallas Willard says, he says, quote, we truly live at the mercy of our ideas. So our journey as followers of Jesus is to make sure that we've got God's ideas, God's truth permeating our life. And the interesting thing is that when we talk about these things, we might actually have some different perspectives here. But as we talk about it, I hope that the journey is to arrive at the truth, at trying to get at, at what is true. Because I want to live, and I'm sure you do as well, that, each of, uh, it, that we want to live with Jesus' true ideas forming mental maps for us in the world. I want to stop living lies And I want to have a mind that is renewed and formed by Jesus. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And some of you who know the science behind how how brains work, but she was like, neuroplasticity. I mean, this is is 2,000 years ago. This is the renewing of the mind, that your mind can become healthy again, that your mind can think God's thoughts. And so we want this renewing of the mind. Then it says you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want that? Do you want God's good, pleasing, perfect will? I know I I do. Um, I wouldn't articulate it that way, but I want it. And I really do hope that all of my bad ideas can be healed by Jesus. We believe that God has these true ideas that correspond with reality on how all of these things work, how money works, how sex works, how time works, that's huge, time, how power works, how our bodies work, how emotions work, how relationships work. God has like really good ideas about these things. What are they? Do I want to know them? Am I eager to know them? The lies of the enemy of our soul cause cause a deformation in our life. The lies of the enemy deform us. But Jesus is involved in formation. No matter how hard it is, he wants to form us. And the, the devil's job is to bring this sequence of lies in order to hurt us. And again, the primary, primary way he does that is through lies. And so the, we want the formation and the way of Jesus to shape every corner of our life. John Mark Comer writes this, quote, Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from the captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. Now here's the deal. I think what we're all looking for here are followers of Jesus who are willing to be humble about the things that they believe. And, you know, it's been really fun to be a pastor in a church where there's diversity of views. And so, you know, and how do we, how do we arrive at the truth? Like, what is the process by which we get there? And, um, but I think all of us in the room would be in agreement that the journey is to arrive at the truth. I think, I think that's what we're all here for, is to get to the truth. Now, let me just show you some ideas that are kind of See, the, I think some of the biggest lies are 95% true, right? And, and, and it's only the 5% that's a lie. So let me just give you a couple examples of this. So this, this, this concept comes from John Mark Comer. So he, he said that the best lies are always 95% true. So here, example number one. 
Here's an idea. Be true to yourself. This is a, here we go. This is, wow, 95% of that is wonderful, right? So let me just tell you how wonderful this is, okay? Uh, You have a unique set of giftings. Um, By the way, I'm saying this is a total lie, but let me just tell you the 95% that's true, okay? So just, okay. Okay, so this is, and I mean this, okay? This, all of this I mean. So I'm not trying to butter up this thing and then to tell you, oh, it's a lie. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to say, I actually think when somebody says be true to yourself, this is what I think they mean and this is what I'm trusting they mean. So that 95% of that is good. So we say, hey, you have a unique set of giftings and skills and interests. Wow, like lean into those, right? That's what be true to yourself. Lean into some of those. You came from a particular family. That's true. You grew up in a certain city that had a certain, you know, set of values. That's true. You have a particular set of relationships. Each of these um, make us uniquely made. And we have this God-given unique upbringing that shapes who we are in many ways. And each of us are a piece of art. Beautiful. So make sure you enjoy who God created you to be and steward that. Enjoy that. I get that. I get, I think that that's what somebody means. And now in my life, I want to be, in that sense, true to myself. So for instance, uh, I look at this body and I am not six foot five. So I will never play in the NBA. And and that in many ways is me being true to myself, right? I'm just, I'm never going to do that. And uh, I, I also grew up loving music and art and history and reading and I just grew up in a family that didn't really pop the hood of a car and learn about the engine, right? And for that, I have a serious lack of skills. But, uh, but in other areas, I grew up in a family that loved music and loved art and loved reading. And so, and, and in a sense, I'm, I'm true to myself in that way when I lean into those things. It's good. But, okay, 5%. <laughs> what if being true to myself involves condoning bad behavior? And I just say, hey, this is just who I am. You can take it or leave it, right? And I find in my life, when I'm angry, and, and when Matthew is judgmental, and, and when I'm being extremely opinionated, and here's a big one for me in my life, when I'm being cynical, um, and I say to someone, listen, this is just me, right? I'm, I'm being true to who I am. I'm being true to myself. You can take it or leave it. Uh, That's not who you are, Matthew. This is what I feel like God would say to me. Like, there are things that you just, you think that's you because it just comes naturally. It just comes naturally, right? Maybe what's coming naturally out of you is sin, right? And for you to say, that's just who I am. That's just how I speak. That's just how I engage with people. It's like, that is such a lie. And it's actually hurting people. And, 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 the, and the quest then, for me, as an apprentice of Jesus, is to go back to him and to say, Lord, shape, shape me. Because I, I want to be the person that you want me to be. And I feel like I've kind of thrown in some sin into who I am. And it is hurting other people. Does that make sense? Here's a second example. Uh, follow your heart. 
follow your heart. Uh, 90% of that can be something we say, yeah, I understand that. When, when my heart longs for the things that God's heart longs for, good. It's really good. So I go, my heart, I just really want to love my neighbor. Oh, follow your heart. Do it, right? Love your neighbor, right? Go for it. I really want to be generous to the poor. It's amazing. Follow your heart, right? And you say, I really want to walk in purity. Is that really what your heart wants? Your heart wants purity? Do it, <laughs> right? You know, I want, here's, here's one none of us ever say. I want to forgive the people that are really difficult in my life. <laughs> wow, well, if your heart says that, yes, follow your heart. That's really good. Um, I feel like 99% of us in the room, our heart is not saying that. Um, anyway, do you get what I'm saying? A passion for prayer, caring for your family. See, all of these things are like, my heart longs to do this. Well, when you line it up with God's truth, yeah, there's like this synchronicity that is beautiful. Like, what your heart wants and what Jesus wants, they seem, and for many of you who have followed Jesus for a while, your heart has been so shaped by Jesus that all of a sudden what your heart wants and what Jesus wants are very much aligned, right? Um, I always think about that with my grandmothers, <laughs> you know. They were like, what my grandma wants is kind of what Jesus wants, always. And, uh, and it's just like, yeah, they're, probably, they're, they're a good navigator of like true north, right? <laughs> like, you know, what my grandma seems to want is it seems to be aligned with Jesus. But here's the deal. What if my heart wants a career move that's inherently selfish and doesn't have my spouse or kid's best interest in mind. It uproots them at a time where they should not be uprooted. But I say, I really want that. I want that promotion. I want that next opportunity. My heart wants it. What if my heart starts to want vacations I can't afford, right? And we look around and we're watching on, you know, social media and we're just like, I want to be there. I want to do that but we know we can't afford it. And, it. and what if my heart deeply wants attention focused on myself in every conversation? That every conversation, it kind of has to bend towards me. Right? And what if my heart wants to find some kind of love in the presence of another woman who's not my wife? What if my heart really wants that? See, those things I need to cast into the pit of hell right? and say, that, my heart is deceiving me, <laughs> right? And, and my heart is not being a good compass for me at this moment. And so it is not good to follow my heart. So I would just say, be true to yourself and follow your heart. I think these are ideas that carry a cost. I think these are ideas that have destroyed marriages and families. And our roles as a role as apprentices of Jesus are to capture every thought. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Look at that. It's like 
the Apostle Paul saw it as like literally taking every thought and arresting it and putting handcuffs on it <laughs> and making it bow before Jesus. Hey, thought, hey, idea, bow before Jesus. We take thought every cap, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So here's the deal. There is no set of ideas that are neutral. No idea is neutral. I, I don't believe there are any ideas, especially surrounding morals and ethics, that are neutral. Lewis says it this way, quote, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So what truth or what lie is forming you? Because we're always being shaped, we're always being formed. Each of us, as I mentioned earlier, has a set of ideas about how people work, how the world works, and your friend is not neutral. Your friend has ideas. And the people that you follow on social media are not neutral. They have a set of ideas. And your counselor is not neutral. Counselors are not neutral, right? They claim to be, they're not, right? And I say that in all respect from many counselors that I love dearly, including my own mother, who is a counselor. She's not neutral, right? She's, no counselor is neutral. Let me include pastors. I should put that at the front of the line. None of us are neutral. I am not neutral. <laughs> so do not meet with me if you're looking for a neutral voice in your life, right? I have a serious agenda. I always do, right? And just <laughs> even to, into small details in life, like chocolate and movies as well, but also in the big things, right? I have an agenda. And so I know that when we sit down to talk, like there, is, there are things that I'm processing and, we're, and these are ideas that shape my life. And so nothing is neutral. And I think what the big thing is we are apprenticed to Jesus is we need to get beyond the idea that there's somehow some kind of neutral space in the world. There's not one. Every idea is either claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. And so we all have these ideas that can either lead to life or to confusion and pain. And we turn again to Jesus who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we turn again to Jesus who says, so if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And um, <laughs> how am I doing, Kevin? <laughs> really? What time does this service end at? <laughs> oh my goodness, I need to stop right now? Okay. <laughs> Matthew's operating on the idea that time is endless. And uh, that is hurting other people. Um, okay, so um, here we go. Uh, they told me at the beginning of the service that they put communion at the front and cut a worship song because they knew I was coming to preach. <laughs> so I was like, oof, is this my identity? Um, Long-winded uh, backup pastor. So let's try to land this really quick. Yeah, we can do this. Okay, so how do we turn to Jesus? What does this look like? Well, this is us turning to him, right? We say, right now, um, it's very hard for you and I to think of nothing, right? It's very hard. Like if I say, one, two, three, think of nothing. You can't do it. It's very hard. If I said McDonald's, you know, oh, I can't think of nothing, right? And so, so something is going to fill the vacuum. It's going to fill the void, right? And so what is it? And so that's why worship is so important. Thank you for coming weekly to worship. Because when we sing these songs, they are forming our minds, giving us true ideas about who God is. For all of you who wake up early in the morning and read the scriptures. The scriptures are forming your mind. 
They're filling you with true ideas about who God is. You know, in my own scripture reading this summer, I spent a lot of time in the book of Romans, and it was so beautiful to read the book of Romans and try to allow it to shape my mind. And whenever I'm feeling distant from God, I go to Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, right? No trouble, no hardship, no persecution or famine or danger or nakedness or sword. No, I'm, yes, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's a true idea that shapes my life. When I'm feeling alone, when I'm feeling nervous, when I'm feeling afraid, I know that it, Joshua 1.9 has shaped my life, right? Where the angel of the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, he's with me. He's with me. When I believe the lie that he abandoned me or that he doesn't love me or that he's leaving me on my own and he's not walking with me, Joshua 1.9, right? That's not true, right? And I want, to, I want to receive the truth of God. You know, for some of us, when we struggle to love other people, and as we think about those different po politics and different ideologies, and maybe for some of you feeling like different ethnicities and, um, and meeting people from around the world, and, and however you feel about that, that, that there's a sense of hostility that you feel, and then you speak the truth. John 3.16, this is a verse that many Christians memorized right when they gave their lives to Jesus. It's, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. As you look across the aisle at someone who votes differently than you and thinks differently about certain things, than you just say, just a second, God so loved the world, that's them. He gave up his one and only son. And so my call is to love that person in Jesus' name. And so what do we set our mind on? Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. And so worship in scripture is filling our minds with these things. And, the, and, and truth is not abstract, truth is Jesus. He says, I am the truth. And so freedom from lies happen as we, happens as we draw close to Jesus. He's our healing. And so let's get healed. Here we go. So this is what we're going to end on here. We're going to work through some truth. Are you ready? Alder Grove Campus? Can you be participants? Okay. So as many of us come to be believe certain lies, that we're not loved by God, that we're abandoned by God, that God is not here, that God is not for you, that God is extremely disappointed in you, that God could care less, that we're too sinful to be loved, all of that, listen to the truth. And I want the Spirit of God to spe speak these words of life into your heart. And, and, and I need you to participate verbally here. Okay, ready? All right. John 1.12. I am... John 15, I am Romans 5.1, I have 1 Corinthians 6.17, I am 1 Corinthians 6.19, I have been Ephesians 1.1, Ephesians 1.5, Colossians 1.14, Colossians 2.10, Romans 8.1-2, Romans 8.31, Romans 8.35, 1 
Oh, I need Romans 8.35 louder. Romans 8.35. I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Colossians 3.3. Philippians 3.20. 1 John 5.18. Matthew 5.13-14. John 15.1-5. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 3.12. Do you believe those things? That's true. That's truth. It's who you are. It's how much God loves you. And we allow his word to be an anchor for us. Holy Spirit, speak the truth is our prayer. We pray, Holy Spirit, speak the truth over my broken heart. Speak these truths over the life of my hurting child. Speak these truths over the life of my hurting friend. Speak these truths over my broken marriage. Speak this truth into my addiction, into my cynicism, into my bitterness, into my loneliness, into my anxiety, into my atheism. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, speak the truth. A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what do you think about when you think about God? Aldergrove, when you think about God, think of the cross. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's where God was. God was giving up his life, crushing the enemy of our souls liberating us from darkness, pouring out a self-giving love at the cross to rescue you from the enemy. He loves you. He loves you so much. Can we stand? I'm gonna invite the worship team forward. If you are willing, feel free to Close your eyes right now and hold out your hands as kind of a posture of receiving. It's very simple. We just kind of hold out our hands like we're receiving a gift. And our prayer is, Spirit of God, come. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, speak your truth. Holy God, we lift up our, our hands here in just the hopes that you would exchange all of the lies that we've come to believe, that you would take them, and that you would give us true ideas about who you are, about who we are, about what you've done. So right now, this is just a moment of surrender. Would you take over? Just with our hands outstretched, uh, Aldergrove, I know our prayer team is here. There's a prayer room in the back, prayer at the front on either side. And if you are feeling stuck 
in patterns of thinking or behaving, our prayer team would love to pray deliverance for you from that lie. And even if some of you are feeling it for a friend or a loved one or a child, would you come forward to the prayer team as well? That they, they would pray for your, the person you love, that they would be freed. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, Aldergrove. Some of you are just right on the edge of just feeling this pain in your life, this struggle in your life. Don't leave this place without receiving prayer. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So King Jesus, we pray that you would come, move throughout this room. In our closing minutes, would you set us free? You're here. And wherever you are, there's freedom.